You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Uh, So those who are new here should be prepared for something. Sometimes you might hear people laughing during the scripture readings here at house. Don't be alarmed. But it's it's not because we are crass and irreverent. I mean, fine, maybe we're a little crass and irreverent, but that's not why you sometimes hear people laughing in church. If you hear people laughing during the scripture reading, it's not because they happen to be bad Christians. It's because they happen to be good listeners. If you listen closely enough, you can sometimes hear how funny these stories are. Like every single year without fail at Pentecost, we think it's hilarious when in the Acts reading, the people speaking in tongues are accused of being drunk, and Peter stands up and says he knows for a fact that they can't possibly be drunk because it's only nine o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Which means Peter must have led a very different life than I did. Uh, When I was growing up, we had these neighbors across the street who were not Christians. At least, they were not the kind of Christians we were. And I knew this because the mom used to wear her swimsuit top and jean shorts while she was doing lawn work, which I thought was very immodest. (laughs) Do you remember, Mom? No? Uh, (laughs) I'm probably just making it up. Um, But the thing... (laughs) Oh, yeah, Dad, sorry. Dad remembers. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, but the thing I remember most about the across-the-street neighbors, other than the fact that the mom regularly committed the sin of wanting to get a tan when she was gardening, is that... On their living room wall hung a framed needlepoint of a prayer. And when I read it, I literally laughed out loud because I I thought it was a joke. Uh, Cross-stitched in cursive, along with some nice little flowers, was a text that read, read, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. And here's what I thought was so funny. And the wisdom to know the difference. I thought it was a joke. Now, (laughs) precisely because I was so often drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning in my 20s and thus ended up having to get sober, I now know that this is the serenity prayer. And I have indeed said the serenity prayer a gazillion times in 12-step meetings over the last 25 years. Now, I mention this because all week I've been thinking about the connection between acceptance and satisfaction. See, in our gospel text, Jesus is trying desperately to tell his disciples in about 600 ways that the Father has sent him, and he is in the Father, and the Father's in him, and if they want to see the heart of the Father, they need look no further than to him, and that he and the Father are one, to which Philip replies, Lord, just show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. (laughs) Jesus was literally standing right in front of him 
in that present moment, and he was too in his head to be satisfied by that. And I feel for Philip here. And I totally feel for Peter, too. Jesus is right in front of him talking about all the rooms in his father's house and how he's going there, but only to prepare a place for us, and he'll come and he'll gather us to him, and that where he is, we will be, too. He's doing it all. Like, he's got it covered. And in response, Peter's like, can you tell us the way to get to you? Like, what must we do to make our way to the father's house? To which Jesus says, I'm the way. I I'm the map. I'm, I'm the road. What gets you there is who I am, not what you do. It makes me wonder, in what ways is my notion that my own satisfaction lies somewhere else, in a future time, in a different situation, with different people, you know, not like off-brand people like you guys. And, like, how does this keep me from experiencing the gift of what happens to already be in front of me. Meaning, if I cannot find satisfaction in anything I already have, then why in the world do I think I could find satisfaction in anything different? Meaning, maybe satisfaction is only possible by first accepting the parts of my life I can't change, accepting the parts of myself that I can't change, accepting the people I can't change, which, if you're keeping score at home, the number of people I can't change equals all the people. (laughs) And all of that is pretty hard for me since I work most often under the delusion that I can change or do or make anything I want. Thank you very much. Now... I have to state the obvious here. I'm not suggesting people should be satisfied in abusive relationships or accept toxic situations or continue in unhealthy lives. Acceptance doesn't mean resignation. I just wonder if maybe the reason Peter and Philip couldn't accept the idea that Jesus was all they needed was because they thought they already knew what God was supposed to look like and how God was supposed to act, and what they got instead was Jesus of Nazareth. But we're all in the same boat, in a way. It's like Jesus is saying, what more can I tell you? What more can I do for you? What more can I show you? Everything you need has already been given to you. And then I'm all like, but Lord, I don't want you. I want a map to you, and I will be satisfied. But Lord, increase my income, and I will be satisfied. But Lord, show me the Father, and I will be satisfied. But will I? Will I be satisfied? It reminds me of a story my friend Phil used to tell about how he was broke and needed to buy a car, but he only had $500 to spend. And then one day he found one. He found a $500 car on Craigslist. And on the phone, the seller said it was a blue Toyota, banged up, but in working condition. And my friend Phil said, oh, it's blue? (laughs) I was really wanting a red one. Lord, give me a red $500 car and I will be satisfied. (laughs) In how many ways is salvation already in front of us, and we miss it because all we can think about is what we think will satisfy us. 
I know for myself that one very reliable way for me to not be satisfied is to think way too much about the past. I mean, talk about things we cannot change. If I'm trapped in the resentment that situations and relationships in my past didn't meet my needs, or if I nostalgically think everything that happened in the past was so much more satisfying than what's happening now, or if I'm projecting into the future and all I can think about is how things will finally be good when in some kind of make-believe future all the right elements align like some kind of harmonic convergence, then I will be satisfied since what I have now is obviously no good at all. But how in the world can I experience anything I have now as being good if I live in the resentment or nostalgia of the past or in the hope or fear of the future. It's like the old guys in AA meetings say, when you have one foot in the past and one foot in the future, you're just pissing on the present. <laughs> that's the old guys in AA, that's not me. <laughs> Which means we're just missing out on the sacrament of the present moment which is exactly where God is to be found. This is why the I am statements in John's gospel are so amazing to me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not I was the way, or at some point I will be the way. No, there is an I amness to the Lord, which means now, which means like here in this room right now, these people I need the I amness of God, the right hereness of God, the right nowness of God. Because it's not like God is hiding somewhere in our preferred future. Like God is waiting for all the ideal circumstances to line up for us. Like she is hiding in the future when we meet our husband and then she will finally jump out of the bushes and make all our dreams come true. And when, or when we finally have a baby or the moment when everyone in our lives starts acting the way we think they should. You may never marry you may never have a child. And for sure, people will never magically act the way you think they should. But God is not to be found in eventualities. God is to be found in actual reality. Because the sacred moment is always the present moment. And now, right here, is when God is saying, be still, and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Take a deep breath. There are no red $500 cars to be found. <laughs> Yet everything you need has already been given to you. Amen.